From AAC Studios, welcome to Scrappy, the podcast about small companies doing big things. I'm your host, Chris Stragus. Plastic is truly a game-changing material. It has taken on infinite shapes and properties and shown up in just about every corner of our lives. In fact, our modern world might not be nearly as advanced without its development. It's inexpensive, it's easy to produce, and it's durable. It lasts a long time. But that durability is also one of the biggest problems with plastic. Once it's made, it doesn't really go away. It doesn't dissolve, it's not biodegradable. It will long outlive all of us. And unfortunately, an incredible amount of that long-lasting man-made material is ending up in the world's oceans and waterways. This is literally decimating plant and animal life and changing entire ecosystems. This is a big, complex, global problem. But sometimes, to solve a big, complex problem, you need someone to see things from a different perspective. Today we're talking to David Katz, founder and CEO of Plastic Bank. They're an economic development firm that empowers disenfranchised communities by letting them exchange any type of plastic for currency. His unique strategy solves two problems at once. It creates revenue in otherwise impoverished communities, and it helps clean up the plastic pollution that's overtaking our seas. David grew up on Vancouver Island, Canada. As you might imagine, for someone who was raised surrounded by water, his love for the ocean sparked at a very young age. And that love was stoked by his father, a merchant marine, who taught David about a lot more than just fishing. The family house was across the street from the beach. It was always my playground. And on the way to school, I also walked along about a half mile long beach to get to school. I did that for a decade or so. And even as a kid, as I walked that beach, played at the beach and walked it, part of this story really is about those times because I was able to then as well witness garbage washing up on the beach. So it's been in my realm decades longer than most. Uh, my father was a, a, a mariner as well. He was a merchant marine and and even in my youth as well, my father, the mechanical genius that he was, built a 47-foot sailboat from the hull up by himself and then sailed that to, you know, the very southern tips of Mexico, mostly by himself. But I joined him in that journey as well, sailing the ocean and encountering all the life that we would have encountered and, and then sailing back up, uh, back up to the west coast of Canada. So that journey, of course, was a part of it. My parents were entrepreneurs, immigrants and entrepreneurs. And even as a child, my, you know, I, I attribute much of my creativity and entrepreneurship to a spark that my brother gave me when I was like 10. We had this family business and he had these other ideas and like, oh, well, we could do this and we could do that or we could open a poster store, which was really big when I was a child. And, and I was just, I was like, yes, of course we can do that. That's amazing. That sounds like a sense of freedom and creativity. And that was the spark. It was the a new awareness that it became a possibility that even I could be. 
And I think that much of what we do in the plastic bank is a re reflection of that as well, where many people want to stand up and make a change in the ocean, but don't know how. And this is an opportunity for them to as well be a part of that change. And, and I really, I think that part of the conversation with everyone is that we're the summation of all of our experiences and all of our decisions. We are today where we are as a result of everything that we have ever encountered. Of course, taking measures to protect the earth with better waste management is nothing new. We've been recycling for decades. And more recent pushes, like banning single-use plastic bags or restaurants eliminating plastic straws, have gained a lot of attention. But there's an important distinction between these type of actions, which address singular products, and plastic banks' purpose which addresses greater societal dilemmas across the globe. David recognized early on that problems with plastics are much more acute, much more detrimental, and much harder to address in some of the most socioeconomically underdeveloped parts of the world. And he realized that this could be a two birds, one stone kind of solution. Straw bands are beautiful. Those are really nice. Not the issue, right? Not, that's, not, that's not the cause of things. It's nice. It's good. It's important. All those things are important. Poverty is the issue. A lack of opportunity is the issue. David's idea was unique because it wasn't just about cleaning up the environment. Instead, it was about creating a new mindset and motivation around recycling and the opportunities it could unlock. I, I, I think what I'm doing is easy in comparison because nothing I'm doing is against the laws of physics. I don't have to play with physics to figure it out. Now, we could say that change of thinking sometimes is, is maybe greater than the change of, of physics, but in this context, it's really about not convincing anyone against their will to do anything. It's really this transformative opportunity where within the collection communities, they see something that's in it for them. We don't have to teach them about recycling. They're already creative and resourceful. Now, in my experience, when I had the idea, which was May the 11th, 2013, I was at a learning event in, in Silicon Valley, the thing called um, Singularity University. And in Singularity University, they express great new emerging technologies and things that are going to be changing the world and these base pyramid challenges. And, and one of the seminars was about additive manufacturing or what we call 3D printing. Avi Reichenthal was the CEO of 3D Systems at the time, the first publicly traded company focused on 3D printing, and he was speaking. And as part of the examples that he brought to exhibit the power of it, he had this big brown belt. It was a plastic belt, of course. It was manufactured out of one long, single strand of plastic. And just using a nozzle and moving the nozzle to determine shape I asked what was the sale price of the item, $80 was the response, and when I asked what the cost was, $10 was the response, and in that moment, the birth of the plastic bank occurred. What I determined was that it was only the shape of the plastic that determined the margin, the markup, and the value. It was still plastic, it was just a shape. Just like if you go buy a piece of plastic for your car it could be hundreds of dollars the value of the material maybe pennies the shape determined the price so perhaps inside of that i thought could be the nucleus for change 
if I could not maybe change the physical shape on the outside, but change the value perception inside the mind, that could be the change. You know, some of the powerful conversations I have, and I'll ask you if every bottle or every piece of packaging that you saw was worth five US dollars, how many would you leave on the ground? So it's not the plastic, it's us and the way we view it. And that is the origin of the plastic bank. The name itself implying the value. Bankable. Valuable. To be stewarded, to be cared for. One of the people that I met uh, at Singularity University was an industrialist in Peru. When I had the idea, I shared it with him. We became nice friends. Inspired by the idea, he as well agreed that it should be a success. And he said, David, come to Peru. I'll fund you. Everything will be great. So he was, you know, fellow owns Peru Rail and all of that. Uh, and I thought, wow, how, how beautiful. We'll go to Peru. We'll launch. Lorenzo is there. We'll, we'll, we'll be funded. It's going to be great. Well, of course, we agreed to go. We, we hired some staff. We thought, we'll lunch. Well, of course, we get to Peru. No Lorenzo. <laughs> Where's Lorenzo? How come Lorenzo's not answering any of my calls anymore? And so we, we struggled and, and had to learn what not to do. But it gave us great insight, as everything is, back to the knowing that we are the product of the decisions and experiences of our lives, when we can view them and say, where is the gift inside of this? We have the ability to continue to transcend and move forward. And no matter what you encounter, takes you to the destination that you're standing forward for. And, and much of that is the philosophy of my life. It was this sense of open-mindedness, this awareness of big picture that David has always carried with him in his travels. And in one of his trips to South America, he recognized Peru is one area of the world that is unfortunately the starting point for a lot of the plastic and waste flowing into the ocean. That's largely because of the existing infrastructure for recycling. Peru is a great leecher of plastic into the ocean. All of Latin America is. And not always just the biggest cities, but those that live upriver, that have no solid waste management at all. And I have witnessed, as it is witnessed around the world, that in the middle of this town or city is a dump truck. Everyone throws their garbage in the dump truck. It dries up to the river and dumps it in the river. So the question then is, how might we prohibit the flow of plastic from entering into the ocean to begin with? Okay, when we look at that, we go, okay, well, how might we keep them from throwing it in the river? Okay, well, why are they throwing it in the river? There's no other, other opportunity. Well, well, there's no other opportunity. Why is there no other opportunity? Well, there's no money. So it's a cost. Oh, hold on a second. How do we make it revenue? The poor don't throw away cash. The gears started to turn in David's head as he realized the solution to the problem might lie simply in flipping that switch. But he had to grapple with just how big his idea was. When I had that idea of the May the 11th, that the enormity of it, it was such a big idea. It was so terrifying at the same time. I thought, oh my goodness, this could be, this could be it for the world. No one will throw away cash. How, do, how might we be able to turn plastic into money for the world so it's never thrown away? <gasps> that could be it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and then, of course, the flood of, well, I'm going to go and create an 
you know, a, a supply chain of materials to the biggest brands in the world. I'm going to have to go sell to the biggest brands in the world. I'm going to go have to create infrastructure within extreme poverty and scarcity and violence and, and, and the story. And I'm going to have to connect the world and the consumer. <gasps> what an overwhelm. And of course, the first thing that went through my head was, oh, I can't do that. That's too big. And then the very next second, I had a moment of consciousness. I had someone whisper that, David, you don't need to be the person that could do that. You only need to become the person that can. David describes Plastic Bank as the Airbnb of recycling, a digital platform that provides a system for people to create a recycling infrastructure wherever they are. Plastic Bank's technology works across a few different models. One interesting example is within congregations, churches, mosques, and other places of worship. These can become collection locations for their communities. Along with bringing an offering, members can also bring their recycling. I'm most proud. I mean, all the staff have their, their beauty inside of it. But this, this interfaith model, I mean, we're really needing to build the world's largest recycling organization without owning anything. One of those models is within congregations, so that within churches or mosques or, or wherever you may find your, your sense of spirituality, and when, wherever you may be in tithing or bringing of, of service or gift to the poor or to the world, instead of just bringing an offering on your day of worship, you bring your recycling with you as well. And that becomes a collection, collection location and an opportunity to be engaged in the stewardship over the earth and the poor as well. And remember when we alleviate poverty, we also alleviate many of the environmental concerns. And I'll be in the expression that poverty, the element of poverty that we need to serve the most is poverty of the soul. And most people still believe that a lack of material wealth is poverty and that is not the case. By harnessing that sense of community spirit, Plastic Bank has been able to make an impact on a global level, not just in single cities or countries. When we alleviate poverty of the soul, then we've got a great paradigm as well that can also bring a level of consciousness, gift, love, service, and everything else that the world is so hungry for. So I think we solve a lot of problems. We're gathering the world together. It's the core value of the company, gather together. It's not, it's not about us gathering every human. Of course we want to, but it's about gathering companies that then can gather others. We're, we're really, our model as it unfolds in front of us is we create cooperatives. Our most powerful models around the world, like one of our recent ones in, in Naga City in the Philippines, we took 176 individual collectors, what other people were calling waste pickers, collectors, entrepreneurs, that were all individuals collecting material and then selling it to a middleman. Well, we came in with the work of the city, we created a set of bylaws, and we created a cooperative where a president is appointed, voted for, the board is voted for, and we give them a physical location. And just in that very action, they were able to remove the middlemen and they doubled their income. We took 176 mostly women and doubled their income overnight. And you visit, they have tears in their eyes for the impact that it's created. Now in that as well, they also created a little daycare so that many of them could work while their children were taken care of. They created a savings and an investment group I mean, we took people who didn't have enough money for the rest of the day, and now they have savings and investments. 
What really drives the success of Plastic Bank's model is a combination of conscious capitalism and what David refers to as winning to the sixth power. Well, here, here's the thing. Um, I, I say this all the time. I love it. Uh, everyone has a favorite radio station. It's WIIFM. What's in it for me? And so when there's a what's in it for me, awesome. And the beauty of what we do within the conscious capitalism movement, it's called win to the sixth power. Win, 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 win. Maybe I missed a win in there, but got it. And, and it's to the sixth power. So it's, it's like exponential so that everybody wins and your success develops my success. My success, our success, then develops the next person's success. And even with us, the plastic wins because it becomes new again. Nothing loses with us. It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. It's so important for the world. Just the thinking is important for the world. If all we did was bring a new way of thought and a new way of being, that would be enough. We don't sell recycled plastic or virgin plastic. We sell social plastic. We have our own category of material. And that material has a value that transfers itself into the lives of people who encounter it. So we don't necessarily compete against the traditional pricing models. Now, as well, just to be in reference there, it's not that, that China is turned down its volume. That's not the case. What China, what China decided to do was stop taking other people's garbage. So they're hungry for pelletized material. They're hungry for raw material. But the, what they don't want to have happen is people sending in their, their crap. In truth, it's not just underdeveloped countries that are struggling with the traditional models of recycling. Even here in the States, the old models are breaking down, and we're starting to see some major shifts in recycling. The type of plastic used to make milk and detergent bottles, for example, is currently bringing only about a third of the price that it did from just a couple of years ago, which makes it a much harder business model to sustain. This has a lot to do with what local municipalities and governments are doing with collective recycled material to get more value out of it. Plastic Bank's goal is to make sure that they're creating as much value as possible to open up those wider opportunities and enrich the lives of all those taking part in the mission as well. The gift in what we do as well is we get to ship material when there's a purchase order. So we're not necessarily just shipping garbage, we're shipping a raw material. So we flake the material or hot wash it, sometimes pelletize it. We work with the local infrastructure to add as much value in country as possible. It's an ecosystem. So everyone that participates makes a profound difference. And one of the gifts of what we work with in our relationship is we provide purpose into the minds of every single employee as well. So we provide more than just the material. We provide purpose and a sense of being. We have an opportunity for people to show up at work knowing that what they're doing is not just selling show soap, but changing the world. How powerful is that? You see, it's not just the material, but it's what the material does. That's the value in what we provide. It's the authenticity, the story, the gift, the love. David knew that because of the scale of the challenges and the scope of his solution, he couldn't go it alone. He was going to have to get people involved and on board at a higher level. 
and some of the partnerships that Plastic Bank has forged may seem a little unlikely. Like Shell, for instance. As an energy producer, environmentalists tend to look at companies like Shell in terms of how they're hurting the environment. But that's exactly the reason that David sees value in their partnership. We had a beautiful pilot at first. Everything starts small and slow with all of the big multinationals. We're moving to a collection process in the Philippines, which should be emerging soon. And I, I have a beautiful knowing that everyone gets to redeem themselves. Everyone, I don't, you know, a lot of people were in the consideration of our relationship. Like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Well, why should we not be in a relationship with someone who's polluting the world? Of course we should. Those are the people we should be contributing and, and or they should be contributing to us. Those should be the partners. Give them an opportunity to make change. Another key partnership is with IBM, who developed an app for Plastic Bank to collect and analyze data and perform monetary transactions around the world. They ultimately seeded the architecture and development of the product. They've been such great stewards of us. This, you know, this blockchain, this hyperledger, you know, blockchain platform that allows us to authentically transfer value around the world and giving a sense of security and banking to the poor that then gets transferred into cash. Like we're really plastics alchemists. It's really cool. Deposit plastic at a at a branch in Bali, and then oh, a second later. There's cash in your, in your bank account. Exactly. And then all the dashboarding, the volumes, the materials. And there's a hundred ways that we use that material for recyclers and processors and other things in the world. For sure. Lots of data to be collected. Last mile collection of the material and last mile distribution to, to the poor is something that we continue to be an influence of as well. What, how might we provide a platform for other organizations around the world that want to provide things to those that only make a few dollars a day. Well, let's begin to create a database of all those people and create a way to send that information to them and engage them. There's a whole, there's the data inside of all of this as well, of course. There's lots of ways that we, you know, are monetizing the, the gift of all of this. I mean, we're a for-profit business, so and as well, everything that we look at is for-profit. So we, that is the paradigm as well. So just as I look at everything as a gift, I look at it at how, how does it add value? How does it add value? How does it create more value than what existed before? So five years from now, we have a you know we're, we continue to build a, a global infrastructure of recycling. So we'll be we'll we'll be global at that point. There's no question. We'll be in every community. Just interfaith will be in every community around the world. It's a digital platform that allows everyone to participate and, and a social franchise in the end. So anyone in the world can can own a business as long as they gather ten or fifteen of their friends with them. So it becomes a cooperative where they all own a little piece of the business. If you're looking at Plastic Bank and wondering how such a big idea ever got put into motion in the first place, it might help to remember that those were the exact fears David had when he got started. Today, he's a plastic alchemist who's changing the world, and he's confident that we all, every one of us regular people, has the same potential to create an impact as long as we just take a step and get started. It's the simple knowing that you can do and achieve anything in the world, that you're as good and bright and smart and strong as anyone else in the world that's ever achieved anything. They're just regular people doing irregular things, doing things outside of the norm. 
just irregular. And that's why it shows up, because it's irregular. But it's just a regular person persevering. And I would probably much guarantee you that they're just in the process of becoming it, because no one just shows up as a game changer. They become a game changer. And when you take that reference and you say, I'm going to change the world, I'm going to change the game, I'm going to change the rules, and you show up, everything that you'll encounter is in reference to how you're going to change the rules. It comes as a gift. And that I'm truly led by all of the obstacles in my life. I know that whatever I don't want to do is precisely the thing that I need to do. Think of any conversation you've had that you didn't want to have. Was that the conversation you were supposed to have? For sure. Think of all the things you didn't want to do. Were those the things you needed to do first? Of course they were. Be guided by the things you don't want to do. And the success lies in those. It leaves tracks. It leaves a trail. It's really easy. We set out to save them all. It's where I saw you standing small. Thanks for listening to Scrappy. You can get show notes and links and see a transcript from this episode at scrappypod.com. Plastic Bank wants to encourage everyone to be part of the solution. And to set the example, his organization has collected and processed over 14 million pounds of plastic to date and changed countless lives. Join David's revolution at plasticbank.com. If you like our show, please go to scrappypod.com for more episodes or subscribe and download wherever you get your podcasts. What I'd give to leave this war Find you all